We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. IB Nation, welcome back to the Irish Breakdown Podcast. We're live here on a Monday, which of course means Monday. A little bit of mailbag action for you all. It's the show where everybody out there in the chat is able to drive the conversation. So questions already in the chat. We almost have about 30 already before the show even started. So keep pumping in questions. Mailbag or the letters MB before the question to distinguish between what is a question you are asking of us and what is just general chatter in the chat. Of course, we are live here on YouTube. We're also live on Rumble, apparently, for the first time, which will be a new little, little trying uh, it out. See to this show, yes, we, so we'll we've see. had a lot of people ask about it, and I've always said we'll try to be on as many platforms as possible. Rumble has been difficult to stream. I don't even know if it's working or not yet. Let me go over there and check and see if it's actually working, Ryan. If it's actually even showing up on Rumble today, so. But uh, yeah, we'll give it a shot. So um, give it a shot. Yeah, all of those that were uh, hoping that we would do it. Yeah, look, it's live right there. Okay, there we go. So it is showing up. It is showing up. So there we go, man. So going to be on YouTube, be on Rumble, going to be all over the place, man. So yeah, I don't, I don't even know how Rumble works. So I'm assuming that they could throw comments in from Rumble. I think as well, so. Yeah, yeah they, there's a there. live there's a live chat. I don't know what they're going to look like. I don't know if anyone's yeah. actually watching on Rumble. <laughs> You know, that's all part of the process, man. So yep. we'll find out. We'll find out soon enough. We're also going to link it back to Facebook here soon as well. It used to be on Facebook uh, and, and we'll eventually link it back to Facebook as well, just because there's different people that like to watch on different platforms. And so we're going to sure. do our best to try to appease as many people as possible and uh, in their preferred platforms when it comes to our, our, our live show. So it's just all part of the evolution process of Irish Breakdown, Ryan. It's yep. all part so of make, it. So make sure if you are on Rumble, you can go over there and subscribe to the channel as well. That would we, be great. And, and we do have a couple people that have commented from Rumble. So nice. if you if you are do you have you closed the chat yet, Ryan? I have or, closed. Yeah. It's okay. Closed, so yeah. like basically, if you see like a little green, yeah, you know, the the YouTube thing is on their name. It's like mm -hmm. the red, the yeah. white arrow. Apparently, the Rumble one is like a green with a black around it, so that'll show that it's a Rumble one. So interesting. So there we go, man. So we're uh, we're we're rocking and rolling and ready to go, man. Lots of great questions today, and yep. uh, including some about Notre Dame women's basketball, which we'll get to at some yep. point in time. Who had a huge win this weekend 
going on the road, beat number eight UConn by 15 in a game run. They only had four players score for Notre wow. Dame. Uh, Hannah Hidalgo, Maddie Westfeld, Sonia Citron, and um, I can't believe I'm drawing a blank on the fourth. But, yeah, they scored all their points in the game on Saturday. Wild. Yes. Wild. Yes, it was. And Sonia Citron, I mean, um, uh, Hannah Hidalgo went off true freshman. She was named Naismith Player of the Week today. We had 34 points. Maddie Westbelt had 23. It was a big, big, big game beating uh, beating UConn. So, uh, big win for the ladies this weekend. So, oh, Nat, Nat Marshall also went in double figures. Also, so nice. it was good to see her uh, her her get some some uh, get some action. And then Sonia Citron was just locked down. Paige Beckers, man, she was outstanding on defense on on uh, on on uh, Saturday night. So, hey, let's get this let's get this sucker rolling, Ryan. You ready to go, man? Let's do it, we'll, man. We'll Football questions, top. women's yeah. basketball questions, anything in between. Let's do it. Yeah. We're good. Yeah. Start off with Paul Hamilton. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Paul said, what do you think of people saying Patrick Mahomes is the greatest ever now? A bit too early, in my opinion. I mean, it, I mean, yeah, it's it's a bit too early. It's slightly it's hyperbolic. Clickbait, Ryan. It's clickbait. It's, it's, just, it's just to cre- it's it's to create discussion. It's to create if I just went out there and said, Boy, I think Pat Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL right now. Who's gonna who's gonna engage with me? N- nobody. They're all gonna be like, Yeah, right. pro- pro- you know, for the most part. But when I started yes, the best ever, what happens? What happens when I tweet that out? What happens when we say it in the show? Starts. Sure. Oh, yep. oh, you're nuts. It's this person. And then bam, I'm getting paid. I'm getting engagement. I'm engaged. It's sure. engagement farming, basically, is what it is, Ryan. Um, yep. And you know what bothers me is why can't we just appreciate how great he is and just enjoy that? Because well, what allowed. happens, what happens allowed. when you say yeah. things like that? It's like, I can't let this stand. Like, I mean, you know, you're going to compare him to this guy and that guy. And it's like, guys, can we let him finish his career first? But better yet, how about we just enjoy what he's doing now? And yeah. the fact that the NFL right now had, had had gone through a long period of time where it was dominated basically by 
two to three quarterbacks for over a decade, right? And we're going through an era now where quarterback playing the NFL is just getting better and better and better and better and enjoy that. But there's still one guy that when the games are the most important is still the best. Cause I mean, I think you would agree, Ryan, from looking at stats and how to see, he wasn't the best quarterback from week one to week game one to 17, Pat Mahomes necessarily there. There's other guys sure. that had stats and better this and better that, but sure. what makes Pat Mahomes the best quarterback of this generation is, Hey, I don't care what I did in the regular season. This is what I'm evaluated on. It's what I do in the postseason. And he outdueled yep. Josh Allen last week. And then he, you know, he he obviously outdueled Lamar Jackson in the big way on Saturday. The defense helped a ton. I mean, he only scored what sure. 17 points. points. I mean, really? Yeah. Oh, Baltimore only scored 10 points. Yep. yep. Yeah. The defense helped. I'm saying like uh KC scored what 17? Yeah. Did they, did yeah. they punch in late? No, it was 17-10. 17-10 final. Yep. Yeah. Your defense played a pretty big flipping role in that, but I, I, Pat Mahomes is great, Ryan. He he is probably, in my opinion, the greatest quarterback of this current generation, right? Which is like you know post Brady, Rogers, Manning. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and he's fun to watch, and I, and that's coming from a Broncos fan, but you know he he's a happy- I, I, I- I, I just think you need to phrase it differently, right? Like I think the phrasing is what the people take issue with because I, because I think that you, it's just a blanket statement of greatest ever. And when you're talking about greatest ever, you have to take into account a lot of different things, longevity and championships and statistics. And it, it's like a full resume thing. I think it's fair if someone wanted to say to me, I think the, the best the Pat Mahomes is the best we've ever seen of a quarterback. And I would be like, okay. That's I, at I least that. debatable. Yeah, yeah, it's at least debatable. But like, how do you compare his resume to Tom Brady's? You well, you can't. can't. You can't right now. That's that's yeah, the whole right point. Now. You know, how I, can I, you I, compare his resume to Peyton Manning's? And, and and that's the whole point. Now, like to your point, I do like that. Like, if you were to say, okay, Ryan, here's a question: Who would you yeah. rather have in his prime at his best? Yeah. Pat Mahomes. Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers, John Elway, Joe Montana. I mean, that would be a fun conversation. But yeah. this, now I will say this. The one thing I think we can all agree on is if Pat Mahomes decided to retire after the season, he's a first ballot no-brainer Hall of Famer. Oh, I mean, that, that's yeah. not even debatable. Like, but, yeah. like, say things like that, Ryan. Like, or guys, we're watching say, greatness. I hope you understand yeah. that. We're watching greatness. Enjoy right. it because it'll right. be over or, before you realize it. Another way that I would phrase it is – if Pat Mahomes keeps doing what he's doing and has a long career, sure. then maybe he's the greatest quarterback ever when he retires. Like maybe that's a conversation that we sure. can have. It was the same thing after the Josh Allen, Pat Mahomes thing. People just don't read very well. So like I posted something like, I think that these are two of the most physically gifted quarterbacks that I've ever seen play or that I've, that I probably have ever Which played. week this week or last week? <laughs> jo- no, Josh Allen versus Pat. Yeah, Mahomes okay. That's last what I was- week. Cause that, and, and they were like, and people were like, "Oh, why are we talking about Josh Allen?" I'm like, "Dude, Josh Allen's a freak of nature talents. Like, are we are we not yeah. doing that right now?" Because people think that that me saying that they're most physically gifted means that they're the best. I'm, I'm not saying they're the best. I'm saying that when you're talking about just physically ability to throw a football and to maneuver, like those guys are two of the best ever. Like, well, I, I think that that's pretty. This anti Josh Allen thing is very weird as well, Ryan. It's like, oh, he's the. It's like, you know what it it reminds me of? It's it's the same crap that I had to deal with listening to people criticize John Elway when he was in his prime. Oh, he turns the ball over too much. Okay, there was a year John Elway threw eighteen touchdowns and eighteen interceptions, but you know what? He led the Broncos to the Super Bowl that season because he went off in the postseason, right? I mean, like you can't evaluate him the same way you evaluate Aaron Rodgers. 
they're completely different quarterbacks with completely different playing styles and, and completely different teams or all these things are different. Like, I don't understand why this, this, this weird anti Josh Allen thing is out there with some people like that guy is a tremendous talent. The Buffalo yeah. bills sucked before he got there. And every year you're wondering, is this the year the bills go to the super bowl? Right. I mean, right. Why you take Josh Allen off that team and put anybody in the NFL outside of like, you know, Pat Mahomes and, you know, Joe Burrow, maybe. I mean, like, I, who else could do what with Buffalo what they're doing, in my opinion? And, you know, it's like when people talk about Lamar Jackson, and I was talking to Vince was over the house yesterday or watching that game, and I'm like, you know, it's like some of the takes on Lamar Jackson make me kind of want to, like, I, I almost push back on Lamar Jackson, but it's like I don't want to because I'm rather – I like Lamar Jackson, but it's kind of like – is he really the best player in the NFL? Is he really the MVP? I mean, he does play for like what the number one on the number one ranked defense in the NFL. I mean, right. So it's it's this whole notion yeah. of can't we just enjoy the greatness that we're seeing now, especially in the AFC, man? I mean, yeah. Pat Mahomes, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson. I mean, there's some some outstanding quarterback play in the AFC right now, and and it's only going to get better. I mean, if if the Colts are right about Anthony Richardson. You know that's going to make it better. I mean, you've got you've got C.J. Stroud, who had a phenomenal yeah. rookie year this year. So I mean, quarterback play in the AFC is is outstanding, and I, you know Josh Allen is a, is a great quarterback in this era. Is he the yeah. best? No, Pat Mahomes I, is. I, I think I think the MVP award is just such a flawed thing, especially nowadays, because someone said this earlier on a on a radio station, and I agree with one hundred percent. It rarely ever goes to the best player in the NFL. It usually goes to the player that far exceeded their expectation going into the season. It's like the guy that's the surprise, right? Like, oh, wow, wasn't expecting that guy to do that this year. And then he plays at a high level, and it's like, we're going to give the award to that. So, yeah, it's just a flaw. I mean, it's like the Heisman to a degree, right? Like, there's just a lot of flawed processes with those types of things. But, yeah. Yeah. But uh, I I will say this, man. I am enjoying – I, I've enjoyed the playoffs when I turn off the sound and all the banter that goes around it. I've actually rather enjoyed these playoff games. I, I, mean, I have yeah. to the point where I'm almost like, you know, I'm borderline want to watch NFL games next year. You know what I mean? Because yeah. you want you want to hear the ultimate um, ultimate compliment to Pat Mahomes' game is yesterday they're winning the football game. It's third and nine, right, or, or below two minutes, right? They just need a first down to seal it. But usually teams kind of just go. We're going to run the football one more time, you know, run the clock, and then we'll figure it out that way. What did Pat Mahomes do on third and nine? Winged it deep down the field to Marquez Valdez. That was a great concept and a great ball. Off his back foot with pressure in his face. How many guys would have even tried that, though? It's like, all right, man. All right. You're you're that guy. It was such a great game, though. I mean, you saw so – I mean, Pat Mahomes doing his thing. Jason Kelsey doing his thing. Drew Tranquil had a great game yesterday. Kyle Hamilton had a great game yesterday. Zay Flowers had a great game that was ruined by how he finished the the game. (laughs) Yeah. Not just the fumble, but then even before that, the stupid taunting penalty. You know what I mean? It's like the pushing of the guy down is not taunting worthy. The spinning the ball by the guy's head's not taunting worthy. The standing over him isn't taunting worthy. You put them all three together, and you're going to get flagged for taunting. I mean, it just that's just the reality of it. You know what I mean? And and uh, the Ravens basically kind of collapsed when the game was on the line, and the Chiefs made plays. That's basically what it comes down to. And that's what happened in the NFC game too. The Lions completely outplayed the 49ers for the first two quarters, and then in the second half got completely outplayed by the 49ers. The cream rises to the top, and that's what happened yesterday. The best team in the NFC. 
was the best team in the NFC. The best team in the AFC when it comes to when it, the game truly matters was the best team in the AFC. And um, it, was, it, was, it was good football, in my opinion. That's the best part about it. It was good football, right? And they were very different games, too. But can I say I just love how the Niners and Lions both use their running backs in the pass game and run game. That was fun to yeah. watch. Like that was clinic tape for how to properly use your running backs and the modern the modern game, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. They're two of the best. Kyle Shanahan and Ben Johnson, they're two of the best yeah. Lucy's in the NFL. So yeah. yep. that was fun to watch. That was fun to watch. Kevin Park says, is there a reason Notre Dame isn't recruiting Brock shots? I think, I think he had a second part that just said shot. So that people watching know oh, here he's, we the go. he's a, he's the tight end Brock shot out of Indiana. That is ranked pretty high by a couple different platforms. 2025 kid. Yeah. They've got a tight end in the class already. That they think is better. And I think that they are And Kevin. I mean, we'll see if it's a good evaluation or not, but I think the other tight ends that they're keeping an eye on to potentially be a second tight end possibly or guys that they just deem maybe a little bit more talented right. as as that. So I, I've seen Brock yeah. Shot. He's a good player. And um, yeah. he's also, I mean, he's a little bit smaller. He's only like 6'3", 215, somewhere in that ballpark. I mean, they're looking at guys like today, for instance, Mike Denbrock's going to be by the school of of, of um, Lincoln Cure, who's an mm-hmm. absolute dude in the 2025 class, who's like 6'6", and has a lot of room for upside and that type of thing. So if you're going to take a second tight end Nicholas in the class, Nicholas Towns is another Lanigan, guy they like a lot, yeah. who's 6'4", yeah. 225, but could also play yeah. defense. I mean, he's a guy that right. could – there's just better players on the board, in my opinion. And and also, Ryan, they're not dead set on taking a second tight end in this class. They don't – they'll take one if the right guy wants to jump on board. They don't, quote-unquote, need a second tight end in this class right now. Right. That's part of it too, but that's just the way it works sometimes. Hey, it's like there's a there's a good defensive end from Elkhart, Indiana, and somebody said, "Why why isn't Notre Dame recruiting him?" And I said, "Well, there's probably certain reasons based on what I know of that school that make it difficult." But the other part is like he's just not as good as Damian Shanklin. I mean, it's just that's the way it is sometimes, right? So I think that that factors into it as well. Our next question this was has from to Paul do Hamilton. With, um, this has to do, I think, with the um, – I don't know what this is in reference to, Ryan. So okay. I, is this is this also in reference to um, – I'm assuming, Paul had the first uh, question, right? So I'm Yeah, is this in reference in to, like, a, a conversation about the Notre Dame 2020 team, 2012 team? I'm, I'm curious. Um, I think maybe he has it backwards. Yeah, here, here – okay. okay, I think he has it backwards. Here we go. So this okay. is it. So this is the first part, and then I'll bring up the second part. Gotcha. Okay, so Paul's question, what are your thoughts – um, that 2015 and 2018 were better than 2012. Maybe just because the 2012 championship went so poorly, but I just don't think of the 2012 team that highly. They had a moderately difficult schedule. I think 2015 and 2018 were better. Well, if you're going to talk about schedule, the 2012 team definitely played a tougher schedule than the 2018 team, in my opinion. I mean, 2018, you're, you had the Michigan game, which was a tough game. But your next toughest game after that was Syracuse. Whereas in in 2012, I mean, look, I I don't know if people remember just how good Stanford was back then. I mean, that was a really, really good Stanford team back then. And they weren't ranked that high kind of coming into the season because they had lost Andrew Luck. And so team they dropped them lower and, and they had like that early loss at Washington and then they lost to Notre Dame, and then they ran the table after that, including a win at number two Oregon and a win over a ranked uh, Oregon State team. But that was a that and that team finished in the top ten that year. That was a really, really good Stanford team. 
that year, and they had dominated Notre Dame the three previous years. I mean, they I mean, the year before Notre Dame Stanford didn't play well and still won by two touchdowns. They beat him what was like 37 to 10, 37 to 14, something like that in 2010. Just absolutely obliterated him the two previous years. And that that was a that was a tough game. Oklahoma that year was a good football team. You had to play on the road. And and so I, I think the 2012 schedule for Notre Dame was a, a challenging schedule. It wasn't, oh my gosh, how crazy hard was that schedule? But that was a challenging schedule. That BYU team was a good football team. And you also had to overcome some adversity that season too, Ryan, because you had to beat that good or BYU football team without your starting quarterback in, in Ever Golson, who didn't play in that game. So, you know, you you beat a Purdue team that went to a bowl game. I, I think part of it is because they did have a couple close games against some not very good teams. But they also blew out a, a you know, blew out Miami that year, just absolutely obliterated a Miami team that went seven and five that year uh, under Al Golden, by the way. And, uh, you know, I, I thought that was a really good football team. I think a lot of it has to do with how the season ended. Just the, 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 the not just the loss to Bama, but the, the Manti stuff and all that kind of stuff. I mean, that team lost one game to Alabama. The 2015 team lost three games. I mean, they did. They lost three football games. You know, that that's more losses. They won, you know, what was the big win the 2015 team had, Ryan? Temple? Navy? Yeah. I mean, like, they beat no one. That That's the problem with that team. That was a very talented Notre Dame football team. That team should have been better. But what's right. the big win you can hang your hat on from that season? All right. you, you don't have one. Right? I mean, Temple was there. I think Temple and Navy were two teams that they beat that were ranked when they played. And, and Navy's the only one that they beat that was finished ranked. Temple got screwed that year. They should have finished ranked. I think they won 10 games. They were 10-4 and four that year. They should have. They should have been ranked, but you know their coach left and they lost to Toledo in a bowl game. So I mean that's 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 the breaks they fell out. But that was a top twenty-five Temple team. Outside of that, I mean you had to come. Texas stunk. Virginia wasn't good. Georgia Tech stunk. UMass stunk. USC was a mediocre team that year. Pitt wasn't any good. Wake Forest wasn't any good. BC was terrible. You beat nobody. And there, there's no Oklahoma win or Stanford win on that twenty fifteen docket. Twenty eighteen, I think Ryan, maybe you could compare. What are your, I mean, 15's out. 15, well, you can argue, even, is the most talented yeah. team, but it's not the best team, well, that, not even close to the best team. That was going to be my whole perspective. I'm not even talking about schedules because I think, I mean, when you compare the records at the end of the day, I mean, one team went 12-0 and and went to a BCS National Championship game, right? Like, I mean, so we can, we can compare the schedules all we want, but in the end, I think if you're talking about just the eye test for me, Paul, it's like, hey, is 2015 more talented than 2012? Yeah, I'd probably say that, yeah. Well, I mean, I think we know at this point, though, like it's not always the most talented team that is the best team like that rarely ever happens. I mean, yeah. 2012 just had something different about them, at least from the regular season perspective. Like it just seemed like they always rose to the occasion, you know, yeah. like it just seemed like they always kind of got it done. And, you know, if the Manti stuff doesn't happen down the course of the season and some of that stuff, you know, after the season, maybe it's a little bit of a different BCS national championship game as far as the final right. outcome. I mean, even if they would have lost it, really it maybe it would have been a com more competitive game, right? right? Like right. maybe they'd yeah. have lost 27 to 13 instead of 42 to 14, right? Like maybe right. they'd have been able to keep Bama a little bit in check if all that, because what people found out later is that stuff had started to break uh, within the team in the weeks leading up to the game. And it apparently was, I don't, I, I didn't cover the team that year, Ryan. So I'm just telling you what I've 
heard from people that cover the team who I trust is like it was creating issues in the locker room. There was a lot of guys that were concerned about it. And Manti was off his game because he had genuinely been – the people I've talked to have said he was genuinely duped. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, And it was That's something that was like – yeah, it was just – it was <sighs> – yeah. And and so who knows how that game would have gone differently. But to your point, Ryan, the the, the, the results are the results. You, I think you nailed it. Yeah. You said this, Ryan. You said it perfectly. The 2012 team in the regular season always rose to the occasion. Whether it was beating a good team or falling behind and needing to come back and win it late, whatever it was, they made they found ways to get it done. The 2015 team was always that really disappointing team that you just always felt like, why were they not better? Right. You know, and and that's the difference. They, they did not race to the occasion ever that season. If you really think about it, they played three big games that year and they lost all of them. And that's an indictment on coaching, not the players. 2018, I think you could make a case for because that team was similar, Ryan. They rose to the occasion when they needed to rise to the occasion, right? Beat a good Michigan team in the opener. You know, um, uh, I'm trying to – dominated a, a pretty decent Syracuse. I mean, it's a 10-win Syracuse team that took Clemson down to the wire and yep. and and pounded them at Yankee Stadium. I mean, they did what they needed to do in that 2018 season. So that that one you could maybe argue with. And even though the score was about the same, that was a much more competitive postseason game than the BCS game against Alabama. Yeah. You know, but you know, to me, I think that's the only other team that that Notre Dame has had that can compete with that 2012 team. It'd be the 2018 team, but I'd still probably go 2012 just from a result standpoint. But 2018, I would also argue, had more top to bottom talent than the 2012 team. Right? 2012 was not Notre Dame's most talented team. I don't even know if it's top three. But, I mean, you know, I would argue the 2011 team was more talented because it was the same team as 2012, except they had Michael Floyd and Harrison Smith and Darius Fleming and Jonas Gray and, you know, a lot yeah. of those guys. Like, you know, you could even argue that team was more talented. But that team went 8-5 and five and this team went 12-0 and because there was something special about that 2012 team, in my opinion, yeah. Ryan. There really was. Different quarterback as well, 2012 compared yes. to 2011. But yeah. Yes. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Christopher Galloway, coach, if you were going just on size, who would be your starting defensive line? Oh, that's a good one. Uh, if I was going just on size, Flex I mean, Riley Mills back out to strong yeah. side defense. Yeah, and then... Howard Cross <laughs> is a third stringer for me. If I'm just going right. off size, I mean, it's it's um, Sean Sevillano's my nose tackle. He's 340 yep. pounds. I, I like what you said, Ryan. I'm, I'm flexing. I, you know what? I'll keep Mill. I'll keep Mills inside since he is over 300 pounds. I'll keep him inside, and I'll go with Tyson, Tyson Ford. Ford. Yeah, yeah, at, at that big end position, who's you know a big kid, and then at Viper, Actually, I'm probably like going 60 something, right? He's like yeah, I'm, yeah, I'll probably move either Oben over to Viper or I'll go with Bubakar because part of size is also length, and I don't know if Notre Dame has anyone with more insane length than Bubakar on the current roster. So either RJ Open goes over to Viper for me because I think he's longer than Jordan Patelho. They're about the same weight. At least they played at the same weight. And I think RJ's longer, taller and longer. So I'll go with him at Viper uh, or Bubakar at Viper. So if I'm just going off size, that would be my starting D-line, right? It's a pretty big lineup. Yep. It's a big lineup. It's 275, yep. 340, 305, and 265, right? Yep, 263, that's, but yeah. Yep. yeah. It's not small. Christopher with another one. How many years for Irish Breakdown? So, Christopher, if you're going like 
calendar years of three of like 365, we are entering our fifth season, but we've actually been a thing for parts of six years. So I launched Irish Breakdown basically the beginning of October of 2019. So my last game covering Notre Dame for the previous place I worked at was Georgia game. And then I started Irish Breakdown that next week. It was known as something different then, but we pretty quickly moved it to Irish Breakdown. So it was that was Irish Maven, but we started Irish Breakdown as a podcast. And then I turned the, that into the whole thing. And so, yeah, so 19 was the first year covering the team. And then obviously 20, 21, 22, 23, and then 24 will be our fifth full season covering the Notre Dame football team. So it's been quite the journey, quite the journey. Thanks for asking. John A1. What's up, John? The 2009 passing attack was the best in Notre Dame since 2000. 2017 rushing attack was also a top since then, in my opinion. Is it possible to merge the best of both worlds on offense in the future? I get what he's saying. I would slightly disagree with the premise uh, on that, Ryan. I, I would say 2009 was pretty darn good, but that 05 pass attack was pretty ridiculous as well. I, I would yeah. go with I would go with the 05 group. I know Jimmy had like the higher quarterback rating and and threw fewer interceptions than Brady, but Brady threw for more yards. That year, Brady yep. threw for almost four thousand. And and if you're, let's not forget too, like Brady in 05 also only played twelve games. Jimmy played twelve games because they didn't go to a bowl game that year. But remember that that was one of those last years where Notre Dame only played eleven games in a regular season. So they went nine and three, including the postseason. So Brady played only twelve games that year. But I mean, three thousand nine hundred nineteen passing yards, eight point seven yards per attempt. 32 touchdowns, seven interceptions. That was a better season. Jimmy threw for 3,722 yards, 8.8 .8 per attempt, 28 touchdowns, and four picks. I just think the 20, the 25th, the 2005 pass game was just a more dynamic, scary group. They both had great receiving yeah. cores, in my opinion. I would argue that I, I, you know, Brady was more of a clutch player, but also I think you had a little bit more diversity of weapons a little bit, in my opinion. I mean, Floyd and Tate's kind of a wash for Mo, for Mo and Samarja, right? But you had Anthony Fasano instead of Kyle yep. Rudolph. Kyle Rudolph was still young at the time. Kyle Rudolph was not as good as what Anthony Fasano was in 05. You had a much better running back out of the backfield in Darius Walker in 05, who was a really yep. good pass catcher out of the backfield. And Matt Shelton was a pretty dynamic big play. He only caught like, like 15 passes or something like that but he averaged about 20 yards a catch. Uh, could you imagine how good that pass game would have been in 05 if Raymond McKnight didn't get hurt in the second game of the year? I know. Like that, I know. That, that, that would have been, been fun to watch, that's, man. That's what I was expecting. I was expecting. I remember watching the first game of the year when Raymond was still in there. Like I was like, McKnight and Stovall are going to be the guys this year, right? And then Raymond gets hurt, and then you're like, oh, Jeff Samarja. There he is, right. baby. All there right, we go. there we go. Yeah. Yep, there we go. Uh, to his point, though, the, the question – was can Notre is it possible to merge the the best of both worlds in in the future from a from a volume from a yes from a volume standpoint I don't think so from yeah. an explosiveness impactful we can burn you either way standpoint I do right because in order for Notre Dame to kind of have that many yards Ryan they they either need to have to be so insanely talented that it's just kind of like wow like man they're just you know like like lsu of 2019 just that freaky year where just like everything kind of comes together right yeah but 
you know, because like think about, it. I mean, the pass the pass offense in two thousand and five, for example, averaged three hundred thirty point three points per yards per game. The Notre Dame offense in 2017 averaged 264, 63 yards per game on the ground, I believe. Let me let me just pull that up real quick just to make sure that I'm correct on that. But I believe I'm correct on that. It was 269. Okay, I was wrong. I was not correct on that. This is why you double-check your work, Ryan. They averaged 269 per game. That's 599.6 yards per game. Like, that would have been... 56 yards more per game than what LSU had this year. Right. Yeah. Like that's, that's not happening. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm going back over the years, Ryan. And, and the last time we saw a, a power five team, LSU in 19, here's that's 31 more yards per game than what LSU had in 2019. Right. If that offense couldn't do it, then Notre Dame's not going to do it. From a volume standpoint, from an explosiveness standpoint, yes. From an efficiency yeah. standpoint, yes. From a, you know, impacting in the big games, it certainly can match what those two teams did because the running game for Notre Dame in 2017 was a little bit inconsistent in big games. But, yeah, they can do it from a – can they be dominant in both phases? Yes, they can. Well, can they do it from a volume standpoint? No. Ryan, no, they, they, they cannot. They, they can't do it from a volume perspective, but I would put it like this to your question, John, is that balance has been something that has been missing at Notre Dame, right? The ability to do both of those aspects, which, I, which is why I'm assuming that this question is being asked. And I would say that th- for me, the 330 yards per game that Brian talked about for 2009 and the 269 yards on the ground in 2017 – I think it's the ability for an offense to be either one of those identities in a right. given game, right? Because what, we've seen it too much over the last couple of years where it's like Notre Dame's run game goes to down the tubes and then the passing offense has to try to be the the volume getter and you're mm-hmm. just not able to sustain and be that type of offense. You need to have weeks where you could throw for 330 and be an explosive passing attack. You need to have other weeks where you can be 269 on the ground and be incredibly dominant, you know, so there's going to be some games that where those things even out, you know, where you're running for a buck 80, you're thrown for 280, and it's just like, okay, that was a really good day of balance. But then I think the key, though, is that you need to be able to lean on one when a team takes away right. the other. And I don't think Notre Dame's done that enough over the years. Let's look at some examples, Ryan, from that 2017 season. Georgia was able to slow down the run game. Notre Dame's offense was done. Miami was able to slow down the run game. Notre Dame's offense was done. Yeah, you, you look at the 05 team, right? And, and some of the, I mean, they, they were able to put up big yards, but they weren't always efficient in some of those games, right? They weren't, you know, they, they needed to be able to balance the passing game out in the bowl game. First half they did, game was competitive. Second half they couldn't, and Ohio State won by two touchdowns. And so, and even a better example is like 06 against LSU. They completely shut down the run game and the, the, or the pass game, the run game wasn't good enough to, to do anything. It, it was the same thing with USC in 06. So I think your point is absolutely spot on, Ryan. Is when you're when when the best when when one part of what you're doing is because there's good there's teams that are good enough to take away your run game, even if you have Quentin Nelson, Mike McGlinchey, Alex Bars, Tommy Kramer, Sam Mustafer, right? I mean, even if you have those guys, there are going to be teams that are good enough to shut that down. Are you good enough in the other part of your game to go out there and and, and win? And the answer is no. They're, they they haven't been in those seasons. 
And that's where Notre Dame has got to get to. I, I think you're absolutely spot on is you have to be a dynamic. You have to be an efficient and explosive group in both areas, in my opinion. And Notre Dame can get to that point, whether it's 190 yards per game rushing or 200 and, and, and you know, let's say it's, it's 190 yards rushing and it's 200 and, you know, 80 yards passing, which I believe is 470 yards. That's pretty good. You know, even if you're 300 and 200, that's dynamic for Notre Dame, right? But there's going to be some games where you need to be 350 and 150 because, or, you know, 350 and 125 because this team said, hey, our game plan is to stop that. I was a, I was a part of the best offense I was ever a part of was that way, Ryan. It's like we had three great receivers. We had a big time quarterback. We had a running back that was a thousand yards. And so we'd go into games like we scored. We played Phil Longo's team when he was at LaSalle and we, we scored 72 points on him. Are because and they were just, I mean, we didn't pass the ball, but for like 150 yards. I had two receivers that played in the NFL on that team. We hardly pass on them. Why? Because they were just geared towards stopping it. So Mike Hilliard runs for 300 some yards. You know what I mean? Then there's other games where they would try to, you know, take this guy away. And I've talked about how we played, you know, St. Peter's and they tried to take Yard and Brantley out of the game. So we just used him as a decoy. And Michael Floyd and Randy Velakovich and those other guys went off. I mean, that's what the great offenses do. If you want to take Jamar Chase out of the game, fine. Justin Jefferson's about to catch 15 balls in this game, right? Yeah. If you want to take Jamar Chase out of this game, fine. Lamar, if you're good enough to take those two out of the game, fine. Terrace Marshall, Thaddeus Smalls, and Clyde Edwards are going to beat you. I mean, that that's how you need to be. Where if they can take this out of the game, fine. Take that away. We're going to crush you with this over here. Because there just aren't that many teams good enough to stop both, not for 60 minutes. And that's really what it boils down to. Uh, but it won't ever be, I mean, a volume. It, it will never be that way from a volume standpoint, in my yeah. opinion. If if they were, I'll say this, Ryan, if Notre Dame was able to run for 6.3 yards per play and pass for about 8.8 .8 yards per play, that's a dynamic, crazy good offense, mm -hmm. in my opinion. Like really yep. good offense. I'd like to see it, but I think if they were if they were a legitimately six point three yards per rush team, I think what you would see is the yards per pass would go way up, just because you'd have to spend so much time trying to slow down the run that it would just create yep. more of those easy pass game opportunities. So, so we see with the San Francisco 49ers right now with Brock Purdy and his uh, mm -hmm. yards per attempt average and everything is great because his run game is fantastic under Christian right. Caffrey. So. Yep. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. John A1 with another one. Is it safe to say Sam Hartman had better wide receiver room at Wake 
than he did at the time in Notre Dame. How did the 2024 pass catchers stack to what Riley had during his Duke tenure? I think that's very fair to say that he had better receivers yeah. at Wake than Definitely especially once <laughs> especially once Deion Colsey got hurt and Jaden yep. Thomas got hurt and Jaden Greathouse was dealing with his issues and they're just I mean could it have potentially been better? Sure, maybe. I mean, but but I believe AT Perry's playing in the NFL right now, right? He started for the Saints down the stretch of the season, right? So yep. He so is. Uh, and and Jamal Banks is obviously a good football player. Taylor Moran, Keyshawn Williams. So yeah, I would Donovan I would Green. say yeah, I would say uh, I forgot about Donovan, who 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 yep. will be. I believe he'll be back next. Is he's coming back next year, right? He's definitely he not in the his, NFL draft. So yeah, he yeah. hurt his knee early in the season. So I think he missed. I thought, I thought he entered the portal. Did he? Um, is he going back to Wake? I'm not That's sure. Good about question. That one, I don't know that. I just I know he, he missed the, the year. Wake. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Trans. See if he transferred. That would be a heck of a pickup if he um, if he transferred somewhere. So looks like uh, I don't see anything about him transferring. I know Jamal okay. Banks jumped in the portal, but I don't. Yeah, I don't I know, know Banks about Green. Right so. Uh, as far as Duke, though, it's not even close, in my opinion. Like yep. Duke, Duke had not, we talked about this, Ryan, at the time of the game. Duke has nice receivers for that, for that, for their school. They had some solid receivers. The Calhoun kid is a solid player. The other yep. kid that 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 Riley Leonard beat out at quarterback. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. Like he beat him out at quarterback, and they moved him receivers to best receiver. Not having Eli Pankhol this year hurt them a little bit because he gave them in 2022 a little bit of a bigger body, you know, presence. He, you know, he was a solid player. But I mean, as long, even if Notre Dame Notre Dame can sustain a couple injuries and still have way more talent in the pass game, in my opinion, yeah. than what he had at Duke. I mean, the tight end the tight end is just way better than what he had at Duke. the The running backs at Duke were pretty good out of the backfield, and and that's something that encourages me, Ryan. I did an article last week saying that Notre Dame needs to do a better job of of with not not better job with the current makeup of the roster. I think the running backs need to be a big part of the pass game, in my opinion. And we did see some of that from Duke the last couple of years. Not always as much volume-wise as I would like to see, but Riley threw, was more than willing to throw to the, to, to the running backs in some of the bigger games. But you know, even there, the, those kids he had last year were solid football players. Pretty Waters. good for Duke. But they don't have the God-given ability that – that Jeremiah Love and Jadarian Price and, you know, Jabron Payne and like Jabron Payne to me is just more physically gifted than those guys as well. And he's Notre Dame's number three at best. You know, Keedron Young is more physically gifted than those guys. They're much more experienced. And Ease Williams is that way. And so I don't think the town is anywhere close. That's the big difference between him and Hartman is Hartman. We we even said at the time, he threw some really good receivers at Wake Forest. Didn't have much of a running game. I'd say Duke was a more balanced offense. Even with even if you take Riley's rushing out of it, they were a better they could they didn't have to necessarily run Riley to be good in the run game with the backs they had in the line they had last year when it was healthy. Wake never yep. had that. But the pass game sure. weapons aren't even close, in my opinion, right? Well, well, Calhoun was probably the most talented receiver they had. And I mean, for context purposes, he is in the draft this year and he's he went to the Hula Bowl which is a lower tier bowl, you know, like nothing wrong with it. He'll still get a shot at the NFL, but ultimately we're talking about their best player, probably being a priority free agent in the NFL. So yeah, not a ton of talent at Duke last year from a pass game perspective. A.T. Perry is a fifth round pick, but I believe you've said in the past, if he wasn't injured, 
probably goes yeah. higher. Didn't you he, say that? He actually, or did I... he actually he actually went even later than that. Yeah, he had a he had a medical red flag on his knee, but he ended up obviously starting for the Saints during his rookie year. So I think okay. he was seventh round pick ended up being. But, Looking at yeah. it now, he was sixth round pick, so right in between. Sixth. Yeah, he was a sixth round pick. Uh, but like you said, that was medically that was a medical issue for that one. Yep. What, so he was like kind of like right in the middle of round six. The Saints took him there. So, um, yeah, the, the weapons are much better. Absolutely. Irish blooded with the question, what games are you looking forward to more Louisville for revenge or Florida state as a higher quality perceived opponents? Well, for me right now, Ryan, it's Louisville because that game's first. And to me, the big win over Florida state doesn't matter as much if you don't beat Louisville. I mean, yeah. so, so it's not so much a, I'm only worried about the next games. Now. I'm, I'm not giving you, I'm not like copping out like, Oh, the only game I care about is Texas A&M. No, I mean, we can, we're, we're grownups. We can look at the over the overall nature of the schedule. I'm just saying like for Louisville, for me, we're going to learn a lot about this football team from a character standpoint. We're going to look a lot about this football team from a cultural standpoint with how they play against Louisville. So that's why I'm really looking forward to that game. And if you do what you need to do against Louisville, then I can focus on, okay, can they get a big win over Florida State? Assuming, but here's the thing. It, I think Florida, I really like what Florida State's done in the portal. They have some good players coming back. But to me, Florida State still has to show me that 13, 23 wasn't an anomaly season. Yes. That they yep. can be the cream of the crop in the ACC. I expect Florida State to minimum be 9-3 and three next year. But like 9-3 and three is a whole lot different than 12-0. And, and Louisville has a lot, and it's not just because of the portal. It's just Mike Norvell hasn't shown me at Florida State he can be that guy yet. And and can he be that guy without Jordan Travis? I mean, that that's a that's a fair question. I don't think Jordan Travis is an irreplaceable player, but when you've only had one guy, it's it's a fair question to ask. Louisville, to me, is a, a team that I expect a lot from next year. Ryan. I think they've had a very good portal offseason as well. Uh, they've improved both sides of the ball in the portal. In my opinion, they got like three kids that started for Tennessee last year on defense uh, in yep. the portal this past season. They got some. They got. I love that receiver they got from uh, South Alabama, right? The, the kid from yep. Lacey. Paul yeah, Lacey. you know, Jacory yep. Brooks. We'll see. He's got some ability, but you know, he never did a ton at Alabama, or he at least he was kind of back and forth a little bit at Alabama. But they got some weapons. They got the kid from Toledo that rushed for like 1,400 yards last year. Like that was a good pickup. He's a completely different type of back than the Jordan kid that they just had this uh, past year. Yeah, the big kid. Um, the big kid. I forget his name. You know, yep. so, I mean, Tyler Shuck's an okay player. But, guys, we've seen Jeff Brom have really good offenses with quarterbacks that have less physical ability than Tyler Shuck. <laughs> you know sure. what I mean? So, you know, they'll be dangerous and, and they'll be a good team again. And I hope they are good again because I don't want like getting revenge over a team that beat you the year before because they suck. Does it's like you know it's it's not really revenge. You beat up on a yep. inferior opponent. I want Louisville to be good again and to beat them. And if we learn what we need to learn about Notre Dame, then I'll be talking about okay, this four eight win can be bigger. But I don't I don't know that it'll be even perceived as a, a better win because we need to see how good Louisville is going to be next year. I, I'm in, I'm in full wait and see mode with Florida State. I am I. We've, I, I think we've talked about it a little bit, but like, I, I understand that Jordan Travis had his faults, but I, he's a winner, right? That's what you're trying to say. Look, he's, he's just a winner as a college well, I mean, quarterback. I mean, he he's a winner. I, I just, I just would, I would take him over DJ Oyungle. Is all I'm saying. Like, it wasn't even right. like that big of an analysis. Like, I, I would just simply take him. You're also losing Trey Benson. You're losing Johnny Wilson. You're losing Keon Coleman. Defensively, you're losing Jared Verse. Like, you're, you're losing a. Uh, some legitimately very good pieces, obviously. So we'll see if 
because we have seen in the past where one portal hall hits like awesome all that hit and then the next one it's like all right you didn't quite get as much out of that as what you did previous year so i'm just in wait and see with florida state a little bit i think louisville is gonna be pretty dang good man like i think they might actually be they could be better this year than they were last year this past year in my opinion i really i believe it i mean we'll see what as far as offensively i mean i think you can pretty much depend on coach brom to be able to get the offense looking legitimate because they obviously have some weapons defensively though that defense line is going to be really good, man. I'm yeah. here to tell people right now, like they have Thor Griffith. They have Tyler Barron transferring in from Tennessee. Ashton Gelati's coming back. who was a good defensive end for them last year. Like he kicked no name's butt line's last gonna year. Be good. Yeah, that kid kicked no name's butt line. last year. Yeah, it really is. And I don't know what they have at linebacker, Ryan. I did not look at that, but like their safeties yeah. they got in the portal from Tennessee are good football players. I mean, they're quality football players. So they're they're going to be a dangerous team next year, no question about it. And and and, and, they, uh, and they they had another safety coming back to uh, Devin Neal, who I think was an All ACC performer mm-hmm. last year. And Quincy Riley came back at corner for them too. Oh, did he? Really oh, yeah, that's big for them. He was a really good football yeah. player. Really good yeah, football. He played really well for them. Yeah, that was a good look. The bowl game was an, an ugly. I just don't care about bowl games in, in situation. I mean, yeah. they had so many guys out. It doesn't tell us a whole lot. The Kentucky game was their biggest missed opportunity last season as a football team. Like that hurt them. That, yeah. I didn't expect them to beat Florida State. They weren't going to beat Florida State. Even with the backup quarterback, they weren't going to beat Florida State. But they should have beat Kentucky. That's the one to me that that really took a lot of the shine off of, of what what was otherwise a very good season. And 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 yeah. it also is going to be year two under Brom, too. Let's not act like that's not going to have an impact, too. They're going to be in both systems a year longer, which is going to help them as well. John A1 rank the following quarterbacks on their running ability and schematic diversity their skill sets bring to the play caller. Well, that's two parts to a question, John. So we need to separate this a little bit. All right, from running ability, let's just focus on running ability and then we'll go to schematic diversity. Running ability, you have Jaden Daniels, Brandon Winbush, Malik Zaire, Riley Leonard, Desmond Ritter. Rank them based upon rushing ability. That's a really good question, Ryan. Yeah. I think the I top an two, already, the top two for me. Well, who are the top two for you? I mean, for me, it's Jaden Daniels, Jane Daniels and Brandon Wimbush. Yeah, yeah, same here. That he has listed Malik so. Zaire. I just don't know if we saw enough of Malik and how they would use him. Malik was used more as a scrambler, other than the LSU game. Like the LSU game, they used Malik as a designed runner. I mean, I still remember the, and he could do things as a scrambler. I would still put Riley Leonard ahead of Malik, just because it's just we just saw so little of Malik, and it's a lot of it's projection. And so we're just going off of, of what we've seen. And I would put Malik yep. way ahead of Desmond Ritter, in my opinion. Yeah. Like, yep. yeah. De- Desmond was really athletic, but like they didn't, he's not really a great runner, though. Like he's yeah. just a really good athlete. But a lot of his stuff I, John, came on scrambles and just simple read zone pulls yeah. where he was wide open on the backside, to your point. John, for me, I think you already have it in order. I would go Jaden Daniels, Brandon Wimbush, Malik Zaire. I'm sorry. No, no, sorry. Flip Riley Leonard, Malik Zaire, then you have it in order. Yeah. So Jane Daniels, Brandon Wimbush, Riley Leonard, Malik Zaire, Desmond Ritter off of just rushing ability for me. I would I would consider Brandon Wimbush ahead of Jaden if we're talking about just the run game, taking scrambles out of the equation, Ryan. I'm curious of your thoughts on this. And I don't, I don't think you agree, but just curious as to the thoughts of where I'm going from. Just overall runner, the entire running package, Jaden to me is yeah. number one because he's a great scrambler. Like he's, yeah. he makes great decisions. He's, he's quick. He's explosive. If I'm talking about just building a run game around a running quarterback, I kind of lead right. towards Brandon because I think Brandon can make it through a whole season. I don't know that you could necessarily do as much as just pure run game, just pure quarterback designed 
run stuff, quarterback power, quarterback counter, those type of things. I would sure. consider putting Brandon number one. But if you take the whole package that includes the running yep. quarterback that's just scrambling and things like that, that's where Jaden, to me, is the clear number one. Brandon was a good scrambler, but Jaden is just so first-step explosive getting through the hole and getting outside. that he, he And he has just more speed than Brandon did, too. He's faster than Brandon was. That's that that would be the only asterisk towards that is if we're just going to stick to run game only design QB run game only, I'd consider putting Brandon ahead of Jaden. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, I'd be completely fine with that. But obviously, yeah, the, when we're talking about the full spectrum, yeah. I would take Jaden number one. Yes, yep, that's fair. it's a clear number that's one. Well, here's the here's a follow up question for you, Ryan. What's closer taking the whole aspect of running the football? So run game and scrambles. Who's closer, Brandon Wimbush to Jaden Daniels or Riley Leonard to Brandon Wimbush? Oh, Riley Leonard to Brandon Wimbush. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. I agree. I think Jaden's just the different. I mean, he did some stuff last year where you knew he was going to eventually tuck it in, as a passer. And it's just like you couldn't do anything against him. <laughs> like it was just wild, man. It was like parting the Red Sea and it was just well, cutting back against the grain and it was just insane what he was doing. And, and the way that LSU was constructed offensively helped too, Ryan, because the only way you could really stop Jaden Daniels from hurting you with his legs is to basically just play gap control and keep him in the yeah. pocket. But you're, they're him. so good yeah. at receiver and other things where if you did that, he just, okay, fine. I'll just throw for 450 yards. You know what I mean? Like yep. he wasn't like Brandon Wimbush, where if you wanted to stop Brandon Wimbush from running and just keep him in the pocket, the offense is screwed. Sure. You know, we're, we're, Oh, fine. Keep Jaden in the pocket. Okay, that's fine because yep. he's going to go out there and 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 rip you up throwing the football. Because now you're basically going to give him time to throw the football right. because you're not attacking. Because the danger is if you attack him, if you don't get to him, there's nothing in front of him except grass and turf, grass or turf. And he was so fast. I mean, there's times too, Ryan, where he'd get outside and you're like, oh, that's going to be a nice little 10, 15 yard gain. Oh, he's still running. Oh, he just passed the secondary. Yes. Oh, he's going into the yep. end zone. Because he's I mean, he was, probably a high four four athlete. I mean, like yeah. he's probably like going to run like four four seven, and he's just <laughs> long strides. Yeah. Like it's just different. Yeah. It's a different animal, yeah. different athlete. Yep. All right, uh, diversity. I mean, if we're talking about just ability to be a run pass option, I guess is kind of how I'm taking that ability mm -hmm. to do more, um, be balanced. I would probably go from top to bottom. Jaden Daniels. I would go Riley Leonard. I would go Malik Zaire. I would go Desmond Ritter, then I would go Brandon Wimbush as far as being balanced. Here's a question for you, Ryan. Yeah. Take away the fifth year that Jaden Daniels would not have had if it wasn't for COVID and just yep. evaluate him off of his first four years of college. Yep. Does that change your ranking at all? It makes it closer between one and two, but I think I would still keep it the same, honestly. Like just, yeah, I'd probably keep it the same, but it would, it would definitely be a, a, Tougher yes. conversation between number one. Definitely. And here's why I would still, I would keep it the same, but it would be tougher yeah. to decide is because with Jaden, at least you had three years worth of film with Riley. You really have one and a third. That's it. But if you look at their single season production, Riley Leonard was actually more productive as a passer last season yeah. than Jane Daniels ever was until his fifth year. Yes. Which is, yeah. you know, uh, which is saying something, but even, even last year, Jaden Daniels was a dynamic runner. He led them in rushing with over 800 yards last year. And he didn't he actually really have carried... a, yeah. In this year, Ryan, it's funny is he rushed for over a thousand yards, but he had 50 fewer carries this year than he did last year yeah. because 
that because just he did so much more from a scrambling standpoint, getting out of the pocket and really hurting people's standpoint. And when Logan yeah. Diggs was healthy, they had a legitimate complimentary piece to him in the run game. Like, yeah, you go back and look at how things looked when he was when he was um, when Logan Diggs was healthy and running. It was it was a it was a a much more balanced situation, in my opinion. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would actually probably put Desmond Ritter third on that, Ryan, um, just from what we saw in college. Again, with Malik. Bigger, Malik, bigger sample size. Yeah, yeah, and Brandon just – Brandon's fifth, I mean, in that, because he just yeah. – by the time he became a starter, he just offered so very little. He, as a, he, he, was, an, he was an option quarterback by the end. Basically. He was an option quarterback by yeah. the end, yep. And it's sad because that's not what he was coming to Notre Dame. So – it is and I was super excited about him. I remember when when uh, when Kaiser left, and I remember Kaiser's last one of his last statements. Someone asked him about Brandon Wimbo. She's like, "Dude, that dude could throw a football seventy five yards from his knees." And I was like, "Oh, that sounds like fun." But yeah. Yeah, it never, <laughs> never really materialized. This guy went on the road and threw for four hundred yards against IMG Academy in the rain, and that's what he yeah. did as a senior. It was insane. He yeah. was really good. I mean, I, he he was on the field. I remember watching when he was a senior going against Jarrett, uh, the kid from Tennessee, Garantamo. Garantamo. And you're yep. just like, Brandon Wimbush is so significantly better than this kid, it's not even funny. Jared Garantano was also not good in high school either. People no. forget, but he was not good in high school either. I'm pretty sure. I forget it was his junior or senior year, but the one year he had more interceptions than touchdowns as a high school. It was a junior year. Like, yeah. yeah, I was like, um, are we sure this guy's good? Like, I, I don't really. Even though he keeps having a couple of copies in the NFL, though, man, he keeps sticking exactly. around like practice squads and exactly. stuff. So whatever. Exactly. <laughs> I actually know the agent that represents him, which is pretty hilarious. It was just like pure like. He doesn't have an agent. Will you represent him? Like, sure, sure. I guess. And it's <laughs> worked out. I mean, made a little bit of money. So, yeah, it's working. Yeah. John A1, for a program like Notre Dame that has had has a strong offensive line recruiting track record and a head coach that prioritizes running the ball, make dual threat quarterbacks a priority in recruiting? Question mark? I, I will say this, Ryan. I think you cannot recruit a, recruit a quarterback who can't do something with his legs. And so to me, like CJ Carr and Kenny Minchie are like the baseline of what I would look for in a quarterback in Notre yep. Dame. I don't think it has to be a true dual threat in the Riley Leonard, Deuce Knight standpoint, right? I think you can also get away with a quarterback who just is really athletic in the pocket and, and can run – like CJ Carr can run read zone. I mean, you can run stuff where CJ Carr can read it and pull it and take off. You can do that with Kenny. He's, I think CJ's more of a natural runner than Kenny is, but Kenny's athletic enough to do those things to where if it's third and four and you want to crash the backside the way that teams did this, like Steve Angeli can do that. Like yeah. Steve Angeli can run the football. If you if you need him, he can run court. He did it in the book. He, he literally did, yeah. Yeah. Literally did, yeah. Uh, and, and then also showed things. For, so, so give me – if you can give me a minimum that type of quarterback, that's the minimum of what you need. What you can't have is a guy – like, like in, in the current system, like you, you wouldn't go out there and recruit a bunch of Jack Cones. And you know, right. I, Ryan, I'm saying it because I love Jack Cone. I think Jack Cone did so much for the Notre Dame program in his one year. But you're yep. just not going to recruit that kind of guy out of high school. You may sure. bring a guy like that in for a year to because you, you know, you, you're you're in a tough spot. But you need a guy that can do damage with his legs. But it's 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 also you can't bring in a dual threat guy who doesn't have potential throwing the football. Like you can't recruit sure. a college version of Brandon Wimbush either and when I look yep. at a guy like Deuce Knight is Deuce Knight a great passer right now no he's not but he has he has the tools to become 
a really effective yeah. passer. And you need that. He's got a big arm. He's got a nice release. He understands ball placement as his footwork gets more precise and cleaned up. He'll even be better with that kind of stuff. So you don't need a guy like Deuce Knight and, and Riley Leonard. But if you have one, it does nice make you have. more dangerous in that regard. <laughs> it, it is. It yes. really is. Yep. It really yep. is. And I, I think that's where it's going too, John, in general. Like, I don't even think it's a Notre Dame-centric thing. I think a lot of teams are just – they would love a dual-third quarterback if they get it on the college level because it's just so much more to account for, man, when a guy can do things with his legs. It's a it's a headache. I mean, ask any off- – especially defensive coordinators that like to try to run a lot of man coverage, which is kind of where the world's going, especially with like match mm-hmm. coverages. Dual-third quarterbacks stink, man. Like they are hard mm-hmm. to defend when you want to run a bunch of man coverage. Your back's going to be turned to the quarterback all the time. It's not fun. So, yeah, if you can have that type of dynamic – I think everybody wants that now at this point. So at least it's trending yeah. that way. Yeah. Except for maybe air raid quarterbacks that just like to drop back right. and three step right. and get it out. Yeah. Like, like you know, thing, but, the, yeah. the the Mike Leach offense, you know, right. may he Will rest Ro- in Will peace. Will certainly still get away without that, but it's just a, right. it's a different deal. Yep. We did have a couple super chats down here, Ryan, that I wanted to get to. Okay. And we'll start with Michael S. Michael says Reese to Cleveland, uh, Tommy Reese to Cleveland, t- uh, to Cleveland as a tight end coach. When did he ever coach tight ends? Cleveland Press say he developed Michael Mayer. <laughs> is it a step backward from another offensive coordinator position in Power Five or pros? Well, first of all, I don't, I don't care that he never coached tight ends. I never coached all yeah. running backs before, and I never played running back. In my first year coaching running backs, I were coached an All American. I mean, if you know the game, you can't run the Notre Dame offense as an offensive coordinator at age of thirty or age of fifty if you don't have a pretty good idea of how the game works at every position sure. and, and tight ends, one of those positions, he'll be fine. The old line coach will help out with a lot of the blocking stuff. Tommy, Tommy knows what he wants. He'll know he'll be fine there, but it's, yeah. they're bringing him in more so to, for the past game stuff. And and that's what they're saying. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And so I think this is a good move for Tommy. He wants, I, I felt he's always wanted to be an NFL coach it was going to be harder for him after only one year of, at Bama to go from that to – and the offense was just kind of okay. He wasn't going to get an OC job in the NFL. This yeah. is going to get him on track there. I mean, this is going to, to me, get him on track there faster than going to LSU and being Brian Kelly's offensive coordinator at LSU, you yeah. know, in, in my opinion. So I, I think you know, Kevin Stefanski, the head coach, is an offensive guy. You know, yes. there's there's some weapons to work with there. If if they go and have success, Tommy will get a chance to, you know, get hired as somebody's quarterback's coach. And then from there, mm-hmm. he'll have a chance to become an offensive coordinator. Unless, like, here's what here's what can also happen is Cleveland's who's Cleveland's OC? Didn't they did they just hired uh, search- Ken Dorsey, just, right? Oh, yeah, they, they just, just hired Ken Dorsey, Dorsey right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah. who knows? If he has success, does he get a head coaching job or does he get something? Who knows? I mean, that's how the NFL is, man. You go from someone nobody ever heard of to an NFL head coach like that. I mean, two, three years ago, who the heck who knew who Dave Canales was, right? I mean, it it happens quick. So to me, if you want to be in the NFL, get your foot in the door in the NFL. And as a full-time position coach for a team that was in the playoffs last year, that's a good hire for him. And so I'm happy for him. I am, especially when the circumstances of the timing of it too kind of screwed him over. Not, not that it wasn't intentional, but you know, by the time Saban retired, most coaching jobs were kind of filled that a guy like Tommy Reese would take in the, at the college level. The college level, who, who, what OC jobs were out there for Tommy? You know, and so I think this move makes a lot of sense, Ryan. I'm happy for him. I think this is a, a good, 
a good move for him. Yeah. I, I think tight ends is one of the ones where you especially, like as a tight end coach, that's one of the ones that you can learn on the fly a little bit easier than a lot of other positions. Because like you said, you have an offensive line coach to help with the blocking technique. You also have a wide receiver coach that can help with some of the route running stuff. I mean, yeah, it. I think he'll be a, a, a fine tight end coach for the Cleveland Browns. We'll see what's the next step after that. But I, I think it's a solid situation to be in for sure. The other part, uh, they say he developed Michael Mayer. I mean, he did. He was the offensive coordinator. He designed his entire game plans around Michael Mayer. I mean, that's part I think, of the I, th- I think the pushback right? is the technical right. side of the game, obviously. But right. yeah. but but that's not the NFL, right? I mean, the NFL is not as much about the technical development. Oh, no, right? I, I think other, they're saying that when they hired, it's like, oh, he developed yeah. Michael Mayer. Te- yeah. And it's like, well, you know. He definitely played a role in it. There's no, I mean, and let's not forget the tight ends coach that Michael Mayer played for two of his three years at Notre Dame, right? Was a guy that Tommy Reese handpicked to come in and be part of the offense and John McNulty. Sure. So, uh, yeah, he, 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 uh, that's fair to say. That's fair to say, in my opinion. Headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.